Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Personal Growth Book Club. For all of you returning listeners, I'm super excited to have you guys back. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Um, I would recommend starting from the beginning, though, if this is your first time, just so that you have an idea of what the heck we're talking about. Um, but just to fill you in, we are listening, or excuse me, we are reading the classic personal growth and development book, the uh, the seminal, if you will, personal growth and development personal growth and development book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It is absolutely amazing, and I'm excited to be getting into it. Finally, after you know me jabbering on for. I don't know how long it was last episode, a good 10 minutes about myself and then talking a little bit about the preface. We're going to get into the meat of this thing, so really excited about that. <clears throat> All right, so just a reminder, um, we I got the schedule in the Telegram group. The uh, t- If you guys want to follow our group, it's Telegram uh, is the app. It's a great app. If it's T, or to find us, it's t.me slash pgbclub. That's t.me slash pgbclub to follow us. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I've kind of got on my list here to talk about some of the stuff from last week, but there wasn't a whole lot to discuss, really. Um, I think, if anything, just a reminder to kind of keep our eye out for that secret that Napoleon talks about in the author's preface, you know, that hidden secret that's once we once we see it, it's going to jump, jump from the page once we really see it in our mind's eye. So keep an eye out for that. If you think you know what it is, go ahead and start a discussion on it in the uh, in that Telegram group. So this week our, we are going to be discussing the first chapter in the book, which is called Thoughts Are Things, okay? And, um, you know, when I was reading through this chapter, I saw a very specific theme, which to me could very well be the secret. I don't know. But... For me, I think I was able to pull that that major theme and that major secret forward, but we'll see what you guys think. All right, let's get into it. Arguably one of the greatest inventors in American history. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. From the poem Invictus by William Ernest Henley. Pretty powerful quote. That's contained in this chapter, and um, man, that is uh, some powerful stuff. You know, I think a lot of people go through life complaining, saying uh, the economy's not good, or my car broke down, or a comet hit my house. Whatever those reasons are, those are external reasons, and... um, you are the master of your fate. You are the captain of your soul. And in this chapter, Napoleon lays out an awesome example of a young man who goes from just a regular, ordinary guy and ends up working directly with all because he had a burning desire to do, to do so. I'm going to start out with one of my favorite quotes from Napoleon in this chapter. He says, Truly, Thoughts are things, and powerful things at that, when mixed with definiteness of purpose, persistence, and a burning desire 
for their translation into riches or other. In this chapter, we read about a guy by the name of Edwin C. Barnes, Material Things. Now, Edwin was just a normal guy, and one day he had a thought. He said, you know what? I'm going to become an associate of Thomas Edison. Now, this is at a time when Thomas Edison was pretty much the coolest guy in the country. He was in, inventing some pretty awesome stuff. So that's like, that's like essentially one of us finding somebody that we really look up to, maybe Tony Robbins, motivational guy, millions of followers all over the world. One of us saying, you know what? I'm going to be I'm going to work with Tony Robbins. Well, wait, do you do you even know the guy? Like how do you even get in touch with this guy? He's got, you know, he's got millions of people that want to get a hold of him. You really you honestly think that you're going to get in touch with Tony Robbins? This is no. People laugh in your face, right? Well, that's what Edwin did, okay? So he took on that challenge. What Napoleon describes is this is a definite purpose for Edwin. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. And I think that's the most important part of this whole thing is, you know, he maybe didn't know exactly how it was going to happen, but he made the decision, just like the, the uh, you know, the decision to get up every single day and have breakfast. He made the decision that, you know what? This is a truth that I'm going to wake up one day and I'm going to be an associate of Thomas Edison. That is an absolute fact. And that led him to being an associate of Thomas Edison. He didn't know how it was going to happen, but he made it work. Okay, so we're going to start out with the first section, if you're following the 1963 edition, The Inventor and the Tramp. So once Edwin finally managed to get to Thomas Edison. He shows up, and once he gets there, he announces that he's there to go into business with Thomas Edison. He definitely didn't look the part. In fact, I think Thomas described him as a regular tramp or something like that, which I interpret to mean he kind of looked like a homeless guy. So um, he gets there. He says, I'm going into business with Thomas. He doesn't look the part at all. He's not wearing a suit, nothing fancy like that. And, you know, you'd think he'd get immediately turned, turned away. But Edison takes one look at him, and he could tell there was something in his eyes that told him that, you know what, something, something about this guy, he's going to succeed. Uh, and what gave him that look? Well, I think it was pure, honest, specific, and unadulterated desire. I think because he knew and was so convinced that this was his reality, that he was going to go into business with Thomas Edison. Edison found that belief to be true simply through the look in this guy's eyes. How powerful is that? So Edwin gets hired. He starts out at a nominal wage working for the inventor, but he never at any point loses his definite major purpose, which is to be Thomas Edison's business associate. So he, was never, he never settled, he never gave up. He kept his target in his sight until the right opportunity presented itself. A lot of us go through life, we'll get a job. When we get that job, we'll be super excited. We'll have high aspirations for where that job is gonna take us and what kind of career it's gonna lead to. But we end up losing sight of where that end goal is over time. We get comfortable. We 
sort of settle for the role that we're in. And then when opportunities come along like they did, like they do here for Edwin, as we'll see, we miss them because we are so comfortable doing what we're doing and we're not pushing for more and pushing for better from ourselves. A great quote in this section of the chapter is, when we are truly ready for a thing, it puts in its appearance. Now, if we're not ready for that thing, it may still put in its appearance, but we're not going to see it because we're not ready for it. Sly Disguises of Opportunity When Edwin's opportunity finally does come, it comes in such a way that he did not expect. This is really often the case. This is why we have to keep our eyes peeled. It comes up as a misfortune or temporary defeat, as Napoleon says. And this is why we shouldn't be fearful of failure, because in failure, in misfortune, that's where a lot of the opportunities arise. So if you don't have that mindset, you're going to miss those opportunities. In this case, the Edison dictating machine was that misfortune. It was that failure. It was Edison's it was Edison's invention that none of his engineers or none, any of his people believed would be sellable. People had given up on it. But not Edwin. He knew, because of his burning desire, he knew that he could sell it. So he told Edison that he could sell it, and Edison's like, you know what, this guy's crazy. You can do it. And guess what? He sure did. He sold it all over the country, making millions of dollars. Well, at least that's, I think, what that's what Napoleon said. Probably million millions of dollars in today's terms. Napoleon mentions here that perhaps the most valuable asset, however, aside from the money, was the fact that he learned that he can really think and grow rich. It all started with one thought. I'm going to become an associate of Thomas Edison. This leads me to the first action item that... I want you guys to take before next week's episode. Now, as we go through Think and Grow Rich, there are several items in this book that are action items which are derived from the author or delineated from the author, if you will. They are, you know, they might be weekly things, they might be daily things, etc. But sometimes I might come up with a, um, a question or a challenge for you guys to follow on similar basis as well. So my first one is, what are your guys' dominant thoughts? How can you make your dominant thoughts to be like Barnes? How can you change your thinking so that you can think and grow rich? How can you think and transmute that into material benefit? Now, it sounds tough, love, but I believe that the major philosophy of this book is based on the concept of accountability. We are in complete and total control of the outcome of our lives. Yeah, things happen we don't expect, but it is still 99.9% .9 up to us to control where we end up in life and the things that we experience. So the sooner that we can accept this as individuals, the faster that we can move to the happiness that each of us desires. So the action from, for, this, uh, for this upcoming week, from now on, or especially in this, this upcoming week, uh, I want you guys to pay attention to your dominant thoughts. What are these thoughts bringing into your life? 
is it bringing in negativity is it bringing in is it bringing in fights with your with your wife or your your boyfriend at home whatever whatever it is what are you thinking about and how can you change those thoughts to be more consistent and aligned with a thought process that will bring you what you actually want in life are you constantly worrying about money are you constantly worrying about the way that you look or if you're overweight what is it what are you actually thinking about and how much time do you spend thinking about it and what do those thoughts make you feel three feet from gold one of the most common causes of failure is giving up when one meets temporary defeat an uncle of a guy by the name of rm darby decided he was going to go out to colorado and mine some gold luckily once they got started shortly after they got started they found some gold and so they went back to their family and rounded up a bunch of money a bunch of investments to get started and they started a well-funded mining operations and for a while it was going really pretty well for them until suddenly the trail just went cold they kept digging and digging and ended up losing the trail the gold was just not there anymore darby and his uncle ended up giving up and they sold their mining equipment to a junk man now that junk man instead of melting down the steel and taking the the pennies that would come from it he instead decided to go to an engineer friend of his and explain to him the situation that darby and his uncle ran into the engineer took a look at the mine and he ended up coming to the conclusion that the way that the gold deposit ended up flowing most likely was three feet in the opposite direction in which they had done their the rest of their mining so sure enough the junk man drilled down where the engineer recommended to do so and he struck the one of the largest gold mines in Colorado so changing that the pennies that he would have gotten to scrap that steel to scrap that equipment and change it into millions of dollars for himself now why did that happen for this guy but not the other two I think there's two reasons one is obvious right one is the the ultimate desire of Darby and his uncle these two did not have the unwavering commitment that Edwin C Barnes did in the previous story they were hoping that they could find gold and it sounds like they kept looking for quite a while but they had in some part of their mind knew there was an inevitability that they might not find gold now that's hard to grasp I know that your minds are probably thinking logically well yeah I mean there's not an infinite amount of gold in, in the world no that's that's true but for instance let's say that they mined every single square inch of their property into the core of the earth first of all that's not realistic to ever do right so <laughs> chances are that's not gonna happen but if they desired it badly enough they'd find another property but what would they do next time well having that level of desire and going through the challenge and disappointment of not finding a square inch of gold but having the right amount of desire they might consult somebody else and they might say you know what we want to find gold it's not in this particular property where else can we find it and that's when they could maybe find an engineer like the junk man did or somebody 
who might have some kind of first-hand knowledge of where to find gold. Anything is possible. It's just not always in the way that we believe it to be so. The second lesson in the story, which isn't necessarily deliberately pointed out by the author, is seeking a different perspective. I think there are, there are way too many times in life where I'll go through and I give up on something way too quickly and I'm the only one who's ever really thought about the problem or the situation. Instead of finding somebody who I know to be an expert on the, on the situation or somebody who I know has been successful in that particular situation to give me a, a consult on how to be successful in that role. And that's what the that's the other thing that the Darby's miss in this particular situation is talking to the engineer. Here the engineer was really the savior of the junk man. The junk man knew that these guys had been searching for gold. If anything, uh, he was a leg up because he knew where the gold wasn't. So he could go to that engineer and he could say, well, they tried this really large area here. Where else could the gold be? We know that there's gold here. It can't all be gone, right? And sure enough, the engineer agreed. The engineer said, yeah, if, actually, if you go three foot the other way, you're gonna probably going to find some more. I will never stop because men say no. So Darby goes into the business of selling insurance. The major lesson that he took from mining in Colorado and missing out on riches and gold by literally by three feet was he would never stop just because men say no. Now just with this idea, just with this desire alone, Darby sold over $1 million of insurance annually. Now, this is written back in 1937. Can you imagine how much insurance that would be in today's terms? I mean, that is just a crazy amount of money. The lesson here is that Darby's temporary defeat in the mine in Colorado taught him that he could always be just three feet from gold. He could always be just on the verge of breaking through and being successful. More than 500 of the most successful men the United States has ever seen told Napoleon through the writing of this book that their greatest successes came just one step beyond the point which defeat had overtaken them. So think about that. I mean, the second that they're about ready to give up, they decide, you know what, I'm going to keep going. So this is essentially going on the point of insanity because this defeat has literally overtaking these people they're like there's there's no point i might as well you know I, I might as well give up now whatever the thought process is whatever whenever it just it seems like it's absolutely impossible they go one step beyond and sure enough success is lying there around the corner now I don't want everybody to be discouraged and thinking, yeah, I'm going to have to meet all these failures. I'm going to have to go through all these struggles to be successful. That's not necessarily true for everybody. Um, but it is a common theme for a lot of these people. And I think it's because a lot of us go through a sort of similar growth and mindset process. We go through what we believe to be an initial desire. And then we fail. And then we go to believe what we believe to be a little bit stronger desire. And then we fail again. Then we go through a little bit stronger desire, fail again. And what happens is, is this desire, this belief in that we are going to succeed, it eventually adds up to a true belief. 
So I think kind of what's happening to a lot of these people, and you guys can tell me what you think as well, I think some people are born with this innate desire, this what we would probably deem as like insanity for some of the stuff that these people believe. I mean, like Elon Musk believing that we should we can invent a rocket that goes up into space and lands on the Earth right side up. I mean, what? That's that's nuts. No way. Are you kidding me? Or uh, even the guy that invented the telephone for crying out loud. Seriously? How are you going to transmit your voice from across the ocean over a wire? Are you insane? That doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense. These people are born with these desires in mind, with these concepts of, I can accomplish literally anything in the world that I want. Whereas I think a lot of other people don't have that, whether that be from childhood, whatever it, whatever it is. If you're born with it, if it's from your parents, your family, friends, I don't know, whatever that thing is. But I think that a lot of the reason that people have to go through these stages of failure is because they have to beat these they have to beat these believe beliefs down. They gotta beat these beliefs totally out of their head. And that is why it seems like every time you're you gotta give up because there's no point in going on. It requires you that, that true desire and that true belief to actually find success. A 50 cent lesson in persistence. So Darby and his uncle are working in a mill together grinding wheat. A child comes in asking for her mom's 50 cents. And the uncle basically says no. He says, I'm not going to give your mom's 50 cents. The child says, yes sir. But she doesn't leave. I don't know why I imagine her to have a uh, southern accent, but I'm pretty sure she does. Uh, so this happens again a couple more times. He says, I'm not going to pay it. And she says, yes, sir. But she doesn't actually leave. So at this point, Darby's uncle is getting pissed. Okay, so he gets up and he's about to slap her, which obviously, you know, not a thing today. Different times. And um, the child yells, yells, my mama's got to have that 50 cents. And then the uncle gives in and gives her the 50 cents. So as Napoleon is interviewing Darby, Darby asks him, tells him the story and asks him, what, what was the power that caused that to happen? What did the child possess? that was able to force his uncle into submission, into doing what she wanted. And Napoleon, of course, reveals his answer, and he says, the answer is contained everywhere in the pages of this book, which I take to mean, again, that secret that he's talking about in, the, in his preface. We're sensing a theme here. Again, he really wants us as the reader to be searching hard for whatever that secret is. One sound idea is all you need. So the answer to the success of the child is hidden within the 13 principles, or not necessarily hidden, but it's described in the 13 principles of success in this book. But the answers that we may 
individually be seeking may come from within our own mind. And again, it hints back to paying attention to that secret and having that, you know, paying attention for when that secret jumps off the page. Our mind will tell us we have to be attentive, be attentive as we continue to become more success conscious as we hone our, hone our desires to become more success oriented ideas random ideas are going to start popping into our head i've heard stories of people waking up in the middle of the night with crazy ideas i've heard you know ideas uh popping into people's head when they're showering oftentimes ideas will come when you're doing monotonous tasks that you're kind of habitually trained to do you won't really be trying to find you know any particular idea so you have to be t paying attention you have to be like what where did that thought come from and if it if it is an idea that you've never really thought before or a concept whether whatever you're trying to achieve and it might be related to that that what you're trying to achieve write it down so have a little notebook with you at all times obviously today we have our phones so you know have a note-taking app like Google Keep that you can sync across all your devices and you can write this stuff down and ponder on it at a later point in time and that's the in fact that's one of the action items I want you guys to have especially through the reading of this book through season one of this book I want you guys to be writing those ideas down and really paying attention to those ideas that you have Napoleon says that riches begin with a state of mind a definiteness of purpose and with little to no hard work now this is actually pretty contradictory to a lot of the a lot of the concepts that you're often told from stories of successful people it sounds like they are just like working themselves to death they're working constantly it almost sounds like they're some in some cases people are just absolutely miserable maybe some maybe you know somebody who is successful that's absolutely miserable in this book napoleon stresses that whatever you find yourself doing in order to be successful in order to attain your goal it shouldn't be hard work and that might mean several different things that might mean you're only working an extra hour a day on something or it might mean you're working eight hours a day on that thing, but it doesn't feel like work at all because it's something that you're just incredibly passionate about. You just feel good doing it. We as a society are all too familiar with the word impossible and what is defined as such. We need to shift our mindset to be that of one which anything is possible if you just put your mind to it. There are things worth putting your attention to, putting your mind to, and things that maybe aren't, and that's what we're trying to sift through. But the base mindset is that you can do anything that you put your mind to. The object of this book is specifically defined in this chapter, which I think is great, and it's something that we, we have to keep in mind. He says the object of this book is to change our mindset. He wants to change our mindset from failure consciousness to success consciousness that's it guys that's all that's all it is it's going from having an idea and inserting the butt uh, you know I'd really like to make a million dollars a year but it's gonna require too much work it's gonna put it's gonna take me away from my family I'd really like to start 
a nonprofit, but I don't know enough people with money, or I'd like to raise money for charity, and I don't know enough people with money. It's taking that but out of the sentence. It's taking those needs to qualify what we perceive to be reality. But reality is what we make it. So the object of this book is for us to view reality as what it actually is. Okay? And reality is what we make it. So if you think something's going to be impossible, that's our reality. Just like I say at the end of every episode, it's a quote from Henry Ford, which is, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. That's because we create our own reality. We as a society hold ourselves back by our own limiting beliefs. It's essentially like whatever we can't wrap our mind around, we just refuse to believe it. So if you can't wrap your mind around owning that successful business or getting that promotion at work or making a million dollars in sales, if you don't understand it, you're, you naturally don't want to believe it. And that's the mindset we're trying to change here. The impossible Ford V8 motor. So Henry Ford told his engineers to design a V8 motor. This is something that the engineers at Ford, in fact, any engineer in the world had ever seen. They couldn't wrap their head around it, so therefore it was impossible. Henry said, I'll have it. After a year of continuing to have this mindset and telling his engineers, figure it out, you can do it, figure it out. He got what he asked for. They figured out how to make a V8 motor. Now in this particular case, Henry understood and applied the principles of, of success. I think in this case, especially desire, he knew exactly what he wanted and he refused to give up until he had it. And even though he wasn't the one designing the V8 motor, he was able to imprint that mindset onto the, into the minds of his engineers until eventually they decided that they couldn't give up and that this wasn't an impossibility. Imagine the time back before the telegraph. If the inventor of the telegraph was to go to you and say, I'm inventing a device where I can communicate with someone across the ocean with the push of a finger. Now imagine how insane that person would have sounded to anybody that they talked to. But that is success consciousness. The inventor of the telegram, he decided he wanted to make a device that would essentially change the world. Nothing is impossible. It seems like it's impossible, but it's only because we don't understand it. Why you are the master of your fate. Quite simply, we are the master of our fate because we have the ability to control our thoughts. That's it, guys. Hopefully in another season, we can study some, some books on the law of attraction. Pretty amazing stuff. Basically what I've been learning through reading some of those books is, this is what I'm trying to tell you guys, and this is what Napoleon is stressing here. The human mind is basically like a quantum computer. The dominant thoughts and beliefs that we hold naturally attract the people, the circumstances, and the thoughts which will lead us to what we ultimately want. 
That's pretty incredible. I mean, and these things are being scientifically proven in today's day and age. So I'm going to ask you guys again to ponder what are your dominant thoughts? What are your dominant beliefs? Begin by paying attention to what you're thinking about on a daily basis. And I know that's very difficult to do, but an easy way to do that, are you, if you're feeling bad, for instance, take a step back. Why am I feeling bad? Well, it's probably because I'm thinking some sort of negative thought. Now, if you're feeling good, what is it that you're thinking about? It's because your subconscious knows what you actually want and what you're actually striving toward. So if you're thinking about how you don't have enough money, you're probably not feeling very good. Whereas if you're thinking about, you know what, I have enough money or this idea is possible or I'm never going to give up, you're probably feeling pretty good. These are all things that are a part of having a success consciousness. We want to be paying attention to the thoughts that we're having and we want to shift our mindset from those of negative beliefs to those of positive beliefs because we want to live out the concept that we are the masters of our fate. We are the captains of our soul. Use this law of nature in a way. So because this is true, we're going to, to benefit us in the best way possible. Principles that can change your destiny. In this last section of the book, Napoleon outlines that with an open mind, we are finally ready to be introduced to the 13 principles of success. He reminds us that these are not the success principles of any one man, but of hundreds of men. Disclaimer, when I say man, I mean mankind. He also discusses a letter from a graduate who worked, who ended up working for FDR. Napoleon had inspired him with the story of Henry Ford. He was just an ordinary guy, but his passion to create a company from nothing is something that's within reach for every single one of us. He ended up working for FDR. He built a company from the ground up all because he was inspired by the story of Henry Ford. Who is that person? Who is that, whether it be a celebrity or somebody within your own life, who is that successful person that you see? And what's the story that you tell yourself about them? Did they just get lucky? Did they just inherit the money? Or did they have the success mindset that we are now working on ingraining into our own minds? Did they refuse to say no? Did they refuse to believe in the word impossible? Guys, the people who have these levels of success, no matter what level you admire, they're no different than you. They're no different. Whether you inherit the brain of Albert Einstein or inherit $200 billion to create your own reality and have the mindset of success, Refuse negativity, refuse the word no, refuse failure by not focusing on those things, but by focusing on the positives. So focus on, I will succeed. That is possible. Yes, this will work. Yes, this person will buy from me. Whatever it is that you're looking to do, the positive outcome is possible. 
All right, everyone. So that is going to do it for chapter one. Thoughts are things. I hope you guys enjoyed today's content. I really enjoyed putting it together for everybody. Just to summarize, we have two action items from this chapter. The first one being from now on, pay close attention to your dominant thoughts. What are those thoughts? What do those thoughts bring into, into your life? And how can you change them to be more consistent and in line with what you really want out of life? The second action item from this chapter is to write down any idea that pops into your head and sort of stands out. So whether you wake up in the middle of the night and you have something that seems totally crazy or you have a weird dream, write it down. If you're taking a shower and something pops into your head, write it down. I mean, any these ideas will come at any point in time. And uh, it's important to start paying attention and writing this stuff down so that we don't end up missing opportunities. I've also put together a spreadsheet of action items that we are discussing on a weekly basis at the Personal Growth Book Club. I have posted that link in the Telegram chat as well. So if you guys want to review that, it lays out in which episode each action comes from, the frequency of each action, and of course who delegates it, whether that be the author or if it's something that I recommend doing. Next week, we are getting into the first of the 13 principles, principle number one, desire. Now this is a 15 page chapter, so it's not incredibly long, but there's a lot of content. And this is pretty much gonna be the case from now on, especially there's a lot of content to be reviewed. So I'd recommend going through it at a steady pace. Make sure you're focused. Make sure you got your feet flat on the floor. Make sure you don't have any additional distractions or anything going as you're reading through this book. It is packed with useful knowledge. And then read the chapter again before, before you listen to next week's episode. Finally, if you like the show, please send in your donations. Not a penny of what you guys donate goes into my pocket, but instead goes into improving the, the content and quality of the podcast itself. If you guys have made a donation and are interested in a copy of my notes, please let me know and I can send you a PDF of that as well. I just take notes in Microsoft OneNote. They're not pretty, but you guys could get an idea of some of the stuff that I write down when I'm reading through the chapter as well. With that, thank you all for giving me your time and letting me lead this group discussion. Remember that your thoughts are things. Become conscious of them. It is up to you to control them and make your life better. And lastly, remember that whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Thanks, everybody.